HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here with a steaming pizza pie in front of us at Roberta's <laughs> with the lovely duo of Amy Virginia Buchanan and Patrick Janelle. And if you didn't just hear that silverware clanking, you will hear chewing during this episode because... Sorry. I mean, you guys must be famished from all the work and travel that you do, so you deserve this. We are completely we famished. The fact that you're, like, in the same place, just sitting down, relaxing for half an hour, must blow your minds. Yeah, does this ever happen? Uh, relaxing? Amy, get off your phone right now. No more email. <laughs> no, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> the rental order. Uh, we have to get no, it in. I <laughs> Well, Honestly. I mean, what, what you guys are doing with uh, Spring Street Social Society, all those S's. Good work. Yep. As, aside mm-hmm. from, I, that's not an alliteration, the Society website. No, I don't think it, so. The Society? Yeah, Society. We love alliteration. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like a lispy kind of like song lyric thing. But this Spring Street Social Society, I knew I was going to fumble on that. Did you ever expect it to be the phenomenon it is now? Is it a phenomenon? I think it is. Really? Absolutely. Oh, my God. In my mind. And, you know, what I say goes, especially on this show. Okay, we're going to take it. We're going to roll with the premise here that it's a phenomenon. I hope my mom's listening to this. (laughs) Hear that, Mom? Oh, I'm big with moms, believe me. But, you know, a native Coloradian. Coloradoan, uh, thank you. Coloradoan. Yeah. um, 
uh-huh. I just lost my whole Colorado, you know, listenership by yeah, saying it. Yeah, yeah. And no, uh, they're 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 devoted no matter what. Yeah. Don't worry. They're, and, they're sticking around for me. Don't worry. <laughs> Midwesterner, mm. but you guys are are you know taken by New York City. I mean, love this town so much, and I've taken the verve and you know the vibe of its artists and its chefs, and somehow created this collaboration which is, isn't just seamless but sought after. Um, tell me when you guys first met and this was dreamt up. Well, Amy and I first met because we were regulars at um, our coffee shop, our neighborhood coffee shop, Gasoline Alley. And we shared mm-hmm. a favorite barista, Katie Tag. Katie Tag. Uh, and she invited both of us to her birthday party in uh, Flatbush in Brooklyn. And we both actually went to her birthday party <laughs> in Flatbush. <laughs> I left Manhattan, went to Flatbush. I lived in the neighborhood. I walked about two blocks. <laughs> and uh, Katie introduced us and said, you guys need to meet each other. And uh, basically... The it- very first thing Patrick said to me, besides hi, was essentially, oh, I have a backyard in Soho and I really want to do shows in it, but I don't know how. <laughs> I had just moved into this apartment on Spring Street and I had just kind of finished redoing my backyard and uh, had an epiphany while I was gardening that... It would be the perfect <laughs> spot for a show. So um, so I was. I was wanting to put on a show. I didn't know how I was going to accomplish it. Amy came in and said, well, hey, I'm a performer. I have friends that perform. We're going to put on a show for you. So about two weeks later, we had our first what we call Camp Cabaret, mm-hmm. a variety show in my yeah. backyard. We had clowns and storytellers and musicians. I performed. Uh, Pat- we had Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> was Pat- it another bit part in like a mega uh, feature film? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah. It, it was. Uh, it was a actually was a retelling favorite. of a feature film. It was a two man improvised um, radio play, radio show. Actually, of the modern American classic, Pretty Woman. Excellent. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, Amy, we just said you come from a background in in theater, but. In the you, future, what? Patrick Shakespeare, Moi? Shakespeare, Hollywood. Yeah. Um, how did you take that and transport it into a backyard? In well, I mean, p- <laughs> part of the problem. <laughs> I'm making fun of Patrick <laughs> right now. Part of the problem was that, like, Hollywood. I think that I really wanted, like, you know, I'm like, we need to do a show in my backyard. <laughs> Whatever were we going to do? And it was it was literally like I wanted to do some big production. And Amy's like, no, 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 no. I went like, to a, a clown school. I know jugglers. I know so many weirdos that just have things that they do that are three minutes long. And you can put them all next to each other. And suddenly everyone's having a great two-hour night. Or maybe I think that night was actually about four hours long. <laughs> yeah. We hadn't learned much at that point. Yeah, there, were, there were some missteps in that first yeah. night. But we did it. And we loved – and we found that we loved it and that it was really great. It was fulfilling. And we did something that um, that was both fulfilling for us and for the audience, I think. And so we decided to keep, keep doing these things in my backyard. And that is what spun off eventually into the kind of series that we've created now, which are events that happen around the city. There's still performance involved in most of the things that we do, but the performance takes vastly different shapes. Sometimes it's immersive theater. Sometimes it's um, sometimes it's more per- more like of a showcase performative dance or um, comedy. Sometimes um, it's a little more salon style, interactive. Um, we've even had, you know, some of our members come to a dinner where the members themselves had to bring some of the performances and showcase their own talent, which is a total surprise. <laughs> so, so performance has remained uh, an element of what we do, but 
we then, I think about nine months after our first cabaret, mm-hmm. we decided, I was working at Bon Appetit magazine at the time, and uh, food has always been a very important part of my existence, and uh, I wanted to do a, a, a dinner. I wanted to put on a pop-up dinner. Uh, so I convinced Amy. I did not want to put on a pop-up <laughs> dinner. <laughs> well, I bet, what are the faux pas of a pop-up dinner that made you not want to By the way, that? I actually hate the words pop-up dinner, but, you know, there's actually <laughs> the no, there's really no better way to <laughs> describe like, it. It's like so. Jiffy. It's like the popcorn that actually, whoosh, yeah, you know, exactly. on the it's, stove. <laughs> uh, my, my main uh, mm, hesitations uh, had to do with the fact that we were still figuring out how to do what we had initially done. Uh, and we were about to welcome an entire different world of humans into this thing that we've kind of created that was very precious. And, you know, like, you're going from collaborating with the two of us to collaborating with an enormous amount of people crossing genres. Um, well, so then- I basically told Amy that we will still have performances, <laughs> but there's going to be a dinner. But I actually didn't realize that, that one of the main hesitations was the fact that we did, especially for the first dinner, we had so many people involved because suddenly we were, we were dealing with a new space. We had a chef. Mm-hmm. We had somebody helping us do styling. Um, you know, a bunch of people who were serving. So, like, our team went from me and Amy to like 10 people in addition to everybody that was coming just to help and serve and then a brand new audience because I, you know, I was reaching out to a lot of people who were more interested in like the food world and dining. So it it did, it did change. Our audience became 10 times fancier very fast, (laughs) but we were still hiring clowns. So, (laughs) (laughs) and I say hiring loosely, we were still begging my clown friends to come and perform, but it was great because that was the first night that we kind of saw this, this precious little thing become big while still remaining authentic and humane and and the best kind of precious you know it you saw someone who's the editor of a very excellent and well-respected magazine laughing out loud at a guy singing in german opera about a bad mushroom trip that he took you know <laughs> <laughs> like that that while eating the best meal he's ever had yeah See, I like this idea of variety show, you know, this cabaret that has many courses to it, because I was thinking about pacing on how you actually, you know, eat a meal and whether or not you're one of those long format, you know, three and a half hour dinner people, or you like having lots of family style thing with friends that you can interact with the larger community, which this seems, you know, the latter. I mean, how do you go out and eat in New York? Are you like a quick bite here, lunch with a friend, or do you like the, you know, 20 course yeah. Um, I I love both experiences. I was going to um, say mix it up. You yeah, know? definitely. I mean, def- definitely on a, a daily basis, we're moving around throughout the city. It's a quick bite here, a quick bite there. When we were in Los Angeles last month, because we were um, we're expanding to Los Angeles and, and starting to plan a few activities there for Spring Street Social Society, we literally were having like two coffees, two lunches, a dinner, a drink, maybe another dinner, like. A lot of our a lot of our meetings and a lot of our relationships are formed around food, and um, while that's maybe an extreme example, and, and but still happened, um, it is very often that either th- business or friendships um, are maintained through food and through dining. Um, so yeah, so sometimes it's a it's a quick bite here, a quick bite there. Um, I personally, I will lo- I love if I have a free night that maybe a meeting has fallen through and I'm by myself, I'm more than happy to go sit at a bar by myself and just try things off of a menu when I'm, I mean, honestly, I, I was in, um, I didn't go home for Christmas until the day after Christmas. 
and we had I had a, a meeting with our business coach on Christmas Eve that got out around six o'clock. And I hadn't made myself any plans because I, I wanted to just let myself experience the city. And I found myself wanting to do something. So I wandered down to Navy, hoped that it was open. They happened to be doing the like Feast of the Seven Fishes that night. And I sat down at the bar, befriended the bartender, and ate a beautiful paced out meal. And it made me so happy to be able to just experience food, to, to know that I wanted a thing, I could have it, and it could be a relationship that I have with what I'm eating, the chef, the person in front of me. And I was happy to do it alone. Um, but one of my favorite, probably favorite ever dining experiences and memories, um, my friend Mallory, she and I share uh, birthdays two days apart. So we'll always do a birthday dinner together, and we both love the kind of long, drawn-out chef's tasting menu. So um, we did one, one year for our birthday, we did the we did the chef's tasting menu at Teresi and I loved it. I've, I've only ever been to the restaurant once that time. And it was fantastic. And it was, I think we did the 21 course meal. Oofta. I love it. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so into that for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah, give me, give me like four hours and like four bottles of wine. <laughs> well, it seems like there are many hours and many spirits and wines during spring street social society as well. Um, you know, and I, I want to know about the space because you talked about walking around the city, you know, finding Navy and the felicity of that. But you want unexpected spaces. You yeah. want you want these yes. parties to be, you know, outside of the box in that way. So what are you looking for that's both inviting and uh, has the ability to be, you know, that amorphous thing that you want? Well, for one thing, we do probably the most difficult thing about what we do is finding the spaces to occupy because Absolutely. we we try very hard to not um, just book a venue that is an event venue um, because people will have been there before. They have prior experiences there. They're already bringing a memory uh, to the space. So we are looking for something that is uh, that's surprising and unusual but also has its own character. So what we don't do is bring in a whole production crew to kind of transform a space. We're really looking for something that when you step in feels give, gives you a feeling of mm -hmm. some sort, excitement, of energy, of surprise, of feeling like you're connecting to New York City in a way that you never have before or maybe you haven't in a very long time. Yeah. I so, mean, you want a venue that can speak for itself and then it becomes a conversation between you and the space. Like when we walk into a space and feel inspired it's it's probably also the case that every person that walks into that space will also feel inspired and then you leave feeling inspired and and new york city should be the kind of place that offers that yeah i mean from a theater you know point of view too what, what are some of the you know forms that you go into see plays that just like take your breath away you know, it's so funny. Rarely does um <laughs> rarely does a a space that holds a play take my breath away. Um sometimes you walk into a theater and you're like, "Oh, this space is amazing." But a thing that Patrick and I actually talk a lot about is cuz we've we've thought about, you know, someday going back to that first thought of producing a play. And it would become the thing that you, you interact with it from the moment you walk in the door. You want to, you know, find the space that is immediately theatrical and then create an opportunity for the audience to, to have, have the experience begin from the door and end at the door. 
are. Yeah, we're definitely. Right? Yeah, we're definitely That's thoughtful we about everything. the experience as opposed to just you know what is the food, what is the space, what are the what are the performances. Ultimately, all of those are components to the overall experience, mm-hmm. and all of those elements are really important. And it's actually it's all really, theatrical. What's interesting to me too is from a performance per- perspective, mm-hmm. we're at a place in time where. Um, the theater experience and the performance experience with, with the exception of like a few things is not about um, it. It's not about creating a full experience for the, the watcher for the audience. You know, you think about Broadway and going into a theater that maybe at at one point, at one point these theaters were beautiful and in their heyday. And now you walk in and you get your, bourbon in a sippy cup and it's like so frustrating yeah, you know that's so and it's like true. and so like I, I, well at the same time we're actually in a place where where restaurants are kind of more theatrical going, more theatrical totally right? so like oh yeah how so i think that a lot of that is about it's just about taking our expectations of the way that things are right now at the moment and sort of subverting that you know the restaurant experience is maybe more uh more sort of sparse and 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 less produced while the theatrical experience is more surprising and more thoughtful and bringing all of those elements together i think is is what currently right now at the time and place that we're at in new york city is actually what makes the the experience awesome. well we're going to take a quick break come back tell you how to actually join Spring Street Ooh. Social Society. If you're lucky and, and, Wait, what? You're making <laughs> us share those secrets with me? And maybe we'll sing a Christmas carol or two. Oh. You just listen to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. National Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. Hey, welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Again, your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, with Amy Virginia Buchanan and Patrick Janelle of Spring Street Social Society. Now, we want to invite a few people along on our journey. Um, How do you actually join? How do you participate? How do you become a member? Or is it as hush as all those S's? Uh, You know, it's both. We, we are happy to talk about how you become a member, but it is, it is like as elusive and harsh as it sounds and seems uh, because we only open membership once a year. And it is in January at the very beginning of the year, we send out uh, applications. Oh, Patrick's back. Hi, Patrick. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> I needed to charge my phone. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but yeah, we do. We open membership once a year. And anyone that's on our mailing list, uh, you join the mailing list simply by going to our website and putting your contact information in, telling us a bit about yourself. 
Um, so anyone that's on that list receives the application and is able to apply. And then we have a, what did we end up calling them? Uh, there were many iterations of the, the name. Membership Advisory Committee Board mm-hmm. Council of esteemed colleagues and friends. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, we we sel- hand-selected a group of uh, our members, and they joined us in reviewing all the applications and were able to offer input on who should become a member. And I mean, ultimately, it's actually not, it's, it's not so difficult to to come to an event. It's not like you have to be invited or you have to know somebody. Um, what we did do is we left everything pretty vague so that people who were really searching and looking for, who were really wanting to be a part of what we were doing, were able to access it. And all, all, all people really needed to do was send us a, a, a message on our contact form and they were on the list at least to, to hear about things. The thing that's changed in the last year is that initially we had a pretty small membership of people. Uh, members are always given exclusive or, or first notice of any of the events that we do. But then after members have had the opportunity to purchase tickets, we send out an email to everybody else who's not a member but has expressed interest. The thing that's changed is now with our, our most current um, enrollment of members, we now have about close to 200 members who are extremely committed. So I don't even anticipate this year that we'll get no. to the point where members don't purchase all of the tickets Mm-mm. for it. Yeah, event. I mean, what is the limit? I mean, how many people do you like to do? Well, we like to keep things intimate because, the, yeah. like we were talking about, the experience is so important. And once you get too large, um, that that experience changes. So it's yeah. So we we you know our events range from the smallest being 25 and the largest even even at our largest it was still what 250 yeah that was the very largest and that, that wasn't we've dinner. only done that once and it wasn't a dinner yeah that was just a a, um, a show for the dinners the bit the largest we've ever done is 100 and i don't anticipate ever doing more than that no but we are you know we the great thing about what we do is that it's me and amy sitting next <laughs> to each other at coffee saying uh, let's do this. And, or I had a great this idea. Be cool? yeah. <laughs> okay. Which it's, it's nothing more creative than that. Mm-mm. And so what that means is that we actually have opportunity to do anything. Yeah. So us defining what we do right now doesn't necessarily create boundaries for what we might. I mean, you were in just future. in LA scouting locations. Uh, oh yeah. We you were. Know, I follow the Instagrams mm-hmm. and uh, I see that you, uh, real fan, you know, talk to, uh, <laughs> Headley and Bennett who I, oh. you know, I'm smitten. I, I covet Ellen's those a good friend of ours. aprons I and mean, such, but I, I mean, covet Ellen. She's so beautiful <laughs> and lively. <laughs> Tell her to get on the show. We, oh, we she would love it. Her. Okay, yeah. She would have in, so much fun. Next yeah. time she's in New York. But I mean, talk about curating, you know, an event you're going as far to maybe even talking about what people should wear and how people, should act. Yeah. Well, every but it's different every time. Sometimes, I mean, we have to tell people what to wear because there's always the question of, what do I wear? Also, is there heat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes. Um, Once, twice. But we do, I mean, certainly, if that's part of this particular experience that we're creating, then what you wear is going to be important. Yeah. Um, things that change every event. Um, we may send something to you before the event. Uh, we may not. We may uh, host this in an empty building, or it might be a townhome in the West Village. There may be activities to do at the event, or you may be a little bit more passive as an audience. So, but you do have to be an overt person, because I know I've gone to, uh, um, what's that, uh, like Sleep No More? Mm -hmm. But I've never done that aspect of it. I've done the Heath, the bar, where (laughs) you kind of interact, but Mm -hmm. you can be shy. You know what, Michael? What's delightful about what we do is that um, you don't have to 
if we're talking like extroverts versus introverts, you don't have to necessarily be an extroverted person to uh, successfully attend and enjoy one of our events. Um, well, part part of the reason for that is that in creating an experience, what we also like to think about is what is the experience that you're having as a person, as a, as a human right now in the event that we're creating. And so what we think of the performances and some of these other elements of surprise as the court sort of structure of the evening. So instead of coming to a cocktail party where you're where you're simply let go and free to roam and hopefully interact with somebody, we actually create moments throughout the evening that naturally engage you with the people around you, whether it's like explicitly so, or it's just creating something that's so mesmerizing that, that you can't help but be engaged with the person next to you because you're both sharing that same experience. So we like to think of these things as sort of like tent poles throughout the evening. Mm-hmm. And we, we get requests or we get questions all the time. Somebody was able to get a ticket, but their friend wasn't. Should I still come? Absolutely. Because yeah. ultimately what we're doing is we're bringing people together and we're creating the opportunity for you to connect. And that's our job is and, to help and feel comfortable as and well. And feel so, yeah, so safe and taken care of. So much so that there was a, a Christmas caroling. Um, <laughs> I, Julia not, really uh, drove that exactly. home with you. Thank you, Julia Bainbridge. Thanks, Julia. <laughs> um, I wouldn't call it a situation, but the fact that, you know, people were safe enough to be able to go up. Was there a piano? Was there someone? Mm-hmm. I mean, what was... Thank you, Steinway. Yeah. <laughs> Steinway provided a yeah. piano for our holiday salon mm-hmm. gathering in December. Yes. And the dream was to throw the kind of party that you imagined your parents went to when you were a child that was, you know, as fabulous as it could possibly be. And in my head, and I think probably your, your head too, there's all, everyone's singing, right? Patrick would talk about how people should just be draped across a couch and like singing because they can't help themselves. And, you yeah, know, and like... Yeah, a scene in like White Christmas where everybody's... <laughs> You know, toasting and singing around. And there's harmonies and, and, you know, like... Yeah, everybody knows how to sing. Yeah. (laughs) But it was was wonderful because by the end of it, we had people sing for a bit and we realized we could have... We could have had them sing even longer. Everyone, by the end of the night, wanted to participate and was excited. Even people that are like, I don't even like Christmas or I don't do Christmas. Um, You know, we tried to choose carols that initially were not Christmassy and just wintry by the end it was like we're singing white Christmas <laughs> but um but yeah it was it was really wonderful to look around a room and see everyone kind of just holding a glass and smiling and joining together and I think part of that we had we had sort of crafted an evening where at the very beginning people came in to the space and they were we had a, a wreath decorating station a cookie de- decorating station there was plenty of champagne at one point there was in the lots evening, of champagne lots of champagne at one point in the evening everybody gathered in the like living area and there were a series of stories told by different authors about their experience of the holidays during uh, in new york city um and the thing that made that really special is that a week before the event everybody who was coming actually received a book a compilation of short stories called never can say goodbye mm-hmm. um which is a lovely book. If, it's such a good uh, book. Yeah. It's absurd, yeah. And yeah. so what was really great is we, we allowed people a week to read that book, should they choose. And all of the people that told stories that evening, even though it seemed off the cuff at the time, were actually planned. They were all authors from that book. So yeah. people had the opportunity to connect, hopefully connect with maybe a story that had really resonated with them and meet the author there. So we had already done all of these things. And then 
Amy and I saying Baby It's Cold oh Outside. Goodness. Patrick and I saying Baby It's because Cold Outside. Because we also take the opportunity at any Spring Street yeah. Social Society and, gathering well, to any perform chance. ourselves. And I mean, any that's chance. a drop the mic song, too. I mean, that, that oh. caps a night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, not that food is an afterthought, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm isn't in the forefront, ever. but it, it's funny that the majority of our conversation today really isn't talked about the, the chefs and the food because... First and foremost is this experience, and everything kind of fits into place afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it's very important to you. So who do you have there to cook the food, and what, what have been some of the standout dishes? Ooh. Well, the thing, the thing that is important about the people that we collaborate with, the chefs that we collaborate with, um, it's important mm-hmm. that they have their own unique point of view and that they have their own, uh, their own way of looking at a menu. Because we don't, what we don't do is we don't just hire out a caterer. For nope. these events, because it's just as imp- just as the the uh, performers are important, mm-hmm. and the space is important, the chef is important. Yeah, um, we've worked with. I, we can name them on one yeah. hand. Yeah, Camille Becerra, uh-huh. who has Navy, um, Sarah Hymanson, and Sarah Kramer, uh-huh. formerly of Glassery, now opening up Mad a waffle shop, Med Capra in L.A. Um, Callie Rivera, mm-hmm. he was a longtime sous chef at Prune, and now has a have, has a couple of his own projects. Um, the, the guys from Carnal Brooklyn, mm-hmm. um, they were at Smorgasburg doing their, um, their short ribs. Yep. Uh, and then uh, we've worked with... Uh, we've worked with Ben on several occasions. Yeah, Ben, ben Mims, who is who was on the show last week. Lovely, lovely man. Wonderful so guy. Wonderful. He's a longtime friend of mine. He's also oh. been the pastry chef on a few of our events. He is doing this Thursday. This, this Thursday. He's doing a <laughs> yes, seven-course dessert tasting menu. Um, so our full... Dinner experience will be a dessert tasting menu. So it's we're a beautiful journey. I don't, the I don't know amazing. if you listened to the last show with Ben, though. Um, but he also broke out this thing, which wasn't sweet and southern. It was sausage balls. Ask him to bring a couple of those on the A couple sausage yeah. balls. Yeah, yeah. Sausage balls, yes. I, haven't, sausage balls I have not had Ben's sausage balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we also can't forget the girls of Norish Kitchen, uh, who provided the the food at the fabulous salon party where there is Caroline. Um, and the great thing is that we, we can bring, we can bring chefs back. We can work with the new chef. Uh, it's, it's always a surprise. And so it's always open-ended and it's whatever we feel like doing and whoever's excited uh, to participate. Yeah. And the, the menu always takes a little bit of a different form. We had, there was one menu that we had a lot of fun with Camille Becerra because we were taking this idea of revelation and surprise Mm -hmm. and um, continuing that into the food and the way it was served. One of my probably all time favorite dishes was the mussels. I was going to say the mussels with the pine needles. Yeah. So we, so our friend, was it Matt that, yeah, it was, so, it was Matt. Novak. So Matt gathered pine needles. He lives in New Jersey. He he gathered like dry white pine needles, and we stacked the pine needles on top. This was all Camille's idea. Yeah, uh, we stacked the pine needles on top of the mussels, and we gave matches to all of the tables. And somebody, we told them, we told the table, somebody at this table needs to light, needs to cook your food. <laughs> so the the whole idea was that the the flaming of the pine needles was what actually cooked the mussels. I think they might have been yeah. par-cooked, but... You know, yeah, they were par-cooked, but the, the, the flaming finished it off and also gave it this amazing smoky taste yeah, absolutely. that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And so, and that is also one of our favorite examples of really bringing that almost experiential aspect to the table itself mm-hmm. um, and thinking about not just what is the actual thing on the dish, but how are people interacting? I mean, with some of my favorite things, having worked in restaurants for years... 
were the table side, you know, oh, the yeah. table side, back, right? the, the sole, you know, doing a Dover sole table side filleting that, mm-hmm. um, which is lovely. It's a pain in the ass for the server. Believe you me, I've done many <laughs> of that. Um, the table side Caesar. Um, and then especially the flambe, which it sounds like you guys are, are as much pyros as I am. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, but, I mean, that was kind of it. You had a great waiter that you interact with. There was shtick, but there was never, you know, soft shoe. Um, or maybe there was that, but there was never, you know, performance per se. Right. And, yeah, so this is really kind of expanding that notion mm-hmm. out even a little bit more. I mean, on, on that note, do you have favorite waiters or favorite oh, wait staffs in the city that you feel like delivers the experience you're looking for? Well, the funny thing about our waiters is that they're our friends. <laughs> we don't hire servers. Uh, the people that are working the Spring Street events are just friends of ours or people that have reached out and said that they want to participate. And so they're volunteering. Uh, but I will say that some of my favorite waiters have been uh, the busboys from Bright Park. Because we had, uh, we have our own personal acapella troupe uh, that is comprised primarily of former members of the Yale Whiff and Poofs, and at our at our Bowery banquet at Bryant Park, they served as the busboys for the entire night. They were clearing all of your dishes the whole time, and then at the very end, they're holding all the dishes from the last course, which were extremely heavy. They told me, <laughs> and they started singing. And everyone looked around and could not believe that the people, they, they refused to believe that the people who had been cleaning their plates were now the people that were singing this amazing, like, acapella, five-part harmony mashup of the Beatles, Within You, Without You, and Lucy and the Sky with Diamonds. And they danced around the tables, and everyone was clapping by the end, like, like clapping along with a beat, which you cannot get people to do. They do. People do not like to clap along. And everyone did it on their own accord. Definitely one of our favorite performative elements. It was sure. magical. And then uh, Maggie Greminger, who is a girl. Uh, she's a member. She is a volunteer. And she also is an amazing vocalist who every now and then is willing to, while setting a plate down, bust into a jazz song. Or, you know, like those those are the things you live for. Because in New York, everything's about, I do this, but I also do this. And how can we display that? I mean, just looking at your bios, um, how <laughs> much does this sate you that you get to use all those utilities that you have in one kind of... How much does this sate us? Yeah. Well, let, let's say... For the past two and a half years, we have been working tirelessly, <laughs> tirelessly around the clock, nonstop, and have not paid ourselves one single time because this is sating us emotionally and artistically, artistically mm-hmm. and you know, not not financially. <laughs> which which was which was never the never goal. The goal. No. Yeah. Which is never which the goal. is why that's the case. And we're actually we're making um, some strides in the business direction right now because we're taking on some client work per- currently mm-hmm. um, because. Ultimately, we are spending so much time and, you know, so much of our own energy that we do need to make it sustainable for ourselves. Um, But, yeah, like the fact that these are all things that we care so deeply about and that we're able to take all of these elements and and create something with these. Like, we really do see it as an art form. And uh, it really is an art form. We don't just see it as that. I've I've, you know, had the deep conversations with some of my friends who strictly do theater about like whether or not this is art and by the end of it they're amazed by actually what goes into it because the photographs are one thing but the experience is a totally different thing you know see i was going to take a beat here and i was really hoping for an impromptu duet to like finish this episode (laughs) 
<laughs> but maybe another time. Maybe you maybe have to attend time. the next. Patrick needs yeah. rehearsal. Yeah, I think. Yeah, if you want access to that exclusive show, yeah. <laughs> you know where to sign up and hopefully become a member someday. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, looking forward to attending one of your next events. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having. And me. again, oh, Spring Street Social Society SSS Society. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Four S's, Osiety. Osiety. <laughs> Excellent. You've been listening to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.